All right, the good nerve of Shabbos. So today's daf is daf tes in Mesechus Ma'ikotin, page nine in Mesechus Ma'ikotin, and we are up to um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six lines from the top of Tess Amad Aleph. Um, we just wrapped up the Gemara where we explained there's a nafkamina, there's a difference between the Simcha, uh, a wedding that takes place on Cholamayid, and the Sheva Brachas that takes place on Cholamayid. We're not going to be Ma'arev. Uh, we're, not gonna, we're not going to allow a wedding to overlap with the Simcha of Yom Tif, but we do allow the Simcha of a Sheva Brachas to overlap with the Simcha of a Yom Tif. Now, on the sixth line, the Gemara is going to ask a question, which is, There's a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us. How do we know that it's inappropriate, it's wrong to, to join together uh, two simchas, toge- uh, two simchas, two opportunities uh, for joyous experiences. How do we know that you should not mix it together? Enters the Gemara Dechsev. Because says in the pasuk, "Shlomi Amelach," when he instituted the the um, the Chag, the Yomtiv, the Chol Yisrael, Imay Kahal Godol. Listen to this. He was establishing the Beis Hamikdash, and he gathered all the Klal Yisrael, which was a large chevra. From the Vaychamos until Nachal Mitzrayim. Again, from coming to the, the, a place called Mevay until the Straits of Mitzrayim. In front of Hashem our God, Shivas Yomim, the Shivas Yom Arba Osar Yom. Seven days and seven days for a total of 14 days. So listen to this. Here's what happened. For seven days, they had Sukkis. And then they had seven days, I'm sorry, at prior to Sukkot, they had seven days of, fest, of uh, festivities for the inauguration of the Beis HaMikdash. Shlomimelech purposely did not overlap the inauguration of the Beis HaMikdash and Yom Tif. He kept it separate. Okay? Now I want you to keep in mind something. If the festivities were seven days before Sukkot, what particular occasion takes place every year in the Jewish calendar within a week before Sukkot, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is always uh, five days before Sukkot, right? This means that part of the festivities of building the Beis HaMikdash, there was Yom Kippur there. Okay, now, Vim Isa Dama'arva Simcha V'Simcha says the Gemara, if it's true that we should combine joyous occasions, you know what Shlomelech should have done? He should have waited until Sukkis, umevar shiva lahacha v'shiva lahacha. And he could have combined the occasion of the inauguration of the Beis HaMikdash with Sukkis. From the fact that he separated the two. And he says, no, the seven days of festivities are going to take place pri- uh, for the Beis HaMikdash. It's going to take place prior to Sukkis. You see, from Shlomo HaMelech, Ein Ma'arvim Simcha Mesimcha, you should not combine joyous occasions. Which, by the way, is a very important uh, you know, I, I think it's an important um, limud for us, something that we can all learn, which is when it comes to uh, the Jewish experience, the Jewish lifestyle, it's worthwhile living within the particular experience. If there's an experience of yomtif, get involved in the yomtif. Experience the yomtif. Don't like add something else to it. It's kedai to be present 
within that experience. That's worthwhile to, to let it sink in. Let, let it happen. Let the yomtiv come. When there's a wedding, when there's a joyous occasion in a family or in our personal life, something's going well, experience it. Let it sink in. Don't just like mingle all these things together. It's so important to be zaycha, to merit, to experience all these, all these Yiddish things, all these Jewish things. Okay. Says the Gemara, who says there's a proof from Shlomo HaMalach? Maybe he, you're not supposed to push off the inauguration of the Beis HaMikdash. Meaning, ask the Gemara, maybe it worked out, it worked out like that. The Beis HaMikdash was ready to be inaugurated, so he did it then. But who says that if you happen to have two happy times, that I shouldn't combine it? Maybe Shlomo HaMalach was 14 days because... They didn't need to combine it. But, you know, you're not going to push it off. But otherwise, maybe we could be ma'arev simcha b'simcha. Answers the Gemara, no, because um, Because if we would be ma'arev simcha b'simcha, Shlomi HaMelech, you know what he could have done? He could have left over a little bit of the building of the Beis HaMikdash and, and finished it right before Sukkot so that the two could have combined to, to give a, a, an, a good example of this, you know, sometimes people want to make a siyum by the nine days, the first nine days of Av, where we don't eat meat. People want to make a siyum in order to have a sudas mitzvah during that time period. So if you leave over some, you know, you could pace yourself and leave over some of the mesechta to finish at that time. So according to a lot of paiskim, it would be permitted to make a siyum like that. So the Gemara says, Shlomo Melech could have paced the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Now, maybe you could say, you know, w- w- once you push it off, anybody who knows contractors, yeah, once you push it off, <laughs> you might be waiting another year, right? It's not worthwhile. But he, he oversaw the whole production. So you see from here, since Shlomo HaMelech purposely had it done, you see from him, to separate Jewish occasions, Jewish experiences. As the Gemara, maybe we would never delay the completion of the Beis HaMikdash, but, but maybe for something else, we should delay it, and we could delay it, in order to have two experiences overlap. Says the Gemara, no, so the Gemara says, he could have, um, he could have left over uh, an amma, which is either a foot and a half to two feet of the Eirev. The Eirev was on the roof of the Beis HaMikdash. You know, what we kind of have, they, they have, um, it's like lightning rods, right? That, uh, you know, brings the lightning to that rod. So on top of the Beis HaMikdash, they had spikes so that birds um, wouldn't start landing there and building nests. So those could have been left over, and it wouldn't have minimized the use of the Beis HaMikdash. And since Amalek had that done, so therefore we have uh, a proof that Ema Arav Simcha B'Simcha. Says the Gemara, no, you still have no proof. These, these spikes that they used to put on top, that was part of the building of the Beis HaMikdash. So he also would not have delayed that or pushed that off. Says the Gemara, Ella midimiyaser kura. Okay, rather, you know how we know it from an extra pasuk. What's the extra pasuk? Michti. Let's see. Ksiv arbasar yoyim. It says that there was celebration for 14 days. Shivas yomim v'shivas yomim lamali. Why do you got to tell me 14 days, which were 7 plus 7? 
I know seven plus seven is fourteen. You could have just told me there was fourteen days of celebration. Why do you got to tell me seven days plus seven days? Shmami, no, you learn from this verse. Hani lechod vahani lechod. It was two separate celebrations. The celebration of the Beis Hamikdash should be focused on experience it, live it, appreciate it, and only afterwards the experience of Sukkot. Live it, appreciate it, and each one's done separately. Okay. Period. We're done with that proof. Bottom line, how do we know? Ein ma'arev simcha besimcha, not to combine two joyous occasions. The answer is from Shlomo HaMelech purposely separating the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash from the holiday of Sukkot. Okay. Here we go. The Gemara is now going to get into this, this understanding of what did we do with Yom Kippur? Right? Yom Kippur is five days before Sukkot. There were seven days of celebration. So what happens with Yom Kippur? Are you going to celebrate the building of the Beis HaMikdash on Yom Kippur? What went down last year? Listen to this, the, the year of the Beis HaMikdash. This is going to blow your mind. Beautiful. Listen to this. Amar Rav Parnach. Amar Rav Yechen Parnach says the name of Rav Yechen. Aysa That particular year when the Beis HaMikdash was dedicated. Like also you saw Yom Kippurim, Yom Kippur was canceled. No Yom Kippur that year. It was the wrong time for Yom Kippur, the year the Beis HaMikdash was built. And the people were concerned. They were worried. And they said, Maybe what we did was taka wrong. Whoever heard of canceling Yom Kippur? This is a biblical obligation to have Yom Kippur. Whoever heard of canceling it? Now, they, obviously, this came from a psak of the rabbis. The rabbis obviously were the ones who said that year was supposed to be canceled, but people were nervous. A heavenly voice came out from the heaven. And said to them, Don't worry, what you did was correct. You're all prepared for Elam Haba. My Darush asked the Gemara, Where did they even know to not have Yom Kippur that year? Answers the Gemara, Amru Kavachaymer. The, the Klal Yisrael made a Kavachaymeru, Ma Mishkan Shen Kedusha Sekedusha Asylum. By the Mishkan, which was not a Kedusha Asylum, it was not an everlasting Kedusha, which we learned previously because they were allowed to build Bamais. We learned this in Megillah. The Karban Yachid, and, we're, and uh, you have a Karban Yachid. We also know Daicha Shabbos Visser Skila. Is Daicha Shabbos is greater than Shabbos. How do you know that? Because each Shevet would bring a carbon even on Shabbos when there is an Isser of, of a, a capital punishment. Mikdash, so the base on Mikdash, the Kedusha, say Kedusha, Soylem, which the, the, the Kedusha is an everlasting Kedusha, the carbon Tzibor, and we're going to start bringing Tzibor, communal sacrifices here, V'yam Ekipurim, Donosh Karas, and Yom Kippur, which has less of a penalty because when it comes to Shabbos, there's capital punishment physically in this world. Yom Kippur, it's a chiyav kares, like Koshkain. How much more so should we say to inaugurate the Beis HaMikdash, bring these sacrifices, keep the party going, and push aside Yom Kippur? Yeah, it is. So they had a, they had a Kavachaymer. This is the Limud. This is what they used to learn out no Yom Kippur that year. Ask the Gemara of Salamai HaYudaygim. So what were they nervous about? If you have the rabbis making a, a decision over here, what's the concern? Answer the Gemara, Hasam Tzarech Gavaya, Hacha Tzarech By the Mishkan, it was the Tzarech Gavaya. Okay? All of the Avoda that was done there were done for HaKadosh Baruch But Hacha Tzarech But over here, the partying, what they were concerned about is the following. 
Let's bring the sacrifices. But who says that we're allowed to eat and drink? In, we know that on a joyous occasion in Klal Yisrael, how do you celebrate? With drinks and food. Mishta v'simcha. That's how a Yid lives. This is part of the beauty of a Jewish lifestyle. We don't separate from the physical. We take the physical and we use it in a godly way. That's how we show joy. We take our food, we take our drink, and we elevate it. We sit by a Shabbos day, we say, Ah, Rabbi Nishlaim, this is all for you. That's how, a Jew, that, that's how a Jew becomes holy. So their concern was not that, oh, maybe we shouldn't have brought the sacrifices. Their concern was, maybe we should bring the sacrifices, but not eat and drink on Yom Kippur. So the Gemara says, okay. So hachanami mevad lemevdu. Okay. Sataka. Yeah, maybe that's what they should have done. Maybe they should have done the avodah. But they shouldn't have eat. Or they shouldn't have uh, drank on Yom Kippur. Says the Gemara, no. What they did was correct. You know why? If they wouldn't have eat, if they wouldn't eat and they wouldn't drink, you're not going to have the ultimate simcha. You're not going to have the ultimate joy. And therefore, in order to have the great joy, they needed to eat and drink. Okay. Says the Gemara, we said that the Mishkan would override the laws of Shabbos. So Mishkan, Dachi, Shabbos, Melon, what's the source? That the Mishkan would override the laws of Shabbos. In the Imam if it's on the following passage, which says, On the first day and on the seventh day, thinking it's the days of the week. No, maybe it means the seventh day for Karbanis. How do you know that the Karbanis actually override Shabbos? Maybe it just means from whenever you start the sacrifices, the seventh day, but it doesn't necessarily mean Shabbos. On the eleventh day. So it says, Yoim day, Ashtay Asar, eleventh Yoim day. The day of the eleventh day. What do you mean the day of the eleventh day? That's redundant. We say like this, just like one day is a complete entity, so too all eleven days were straight through. There was no break in the Karbanais. So you see that the sacrifices were brought even on Shabbos. It is impossible to go 11 days without going through a Shabbos. So if they brought it on 11 consecutive days, it must be that the Karbanais are Deich Shabbos. Says the Gemara, maybe 11 days does not mean consecutive. Maybe Vedoma Yomim Haru'uyim. Maybe it just means on 11 days that are fit to be sacrifices, but it doesn't necessarily include Shabbos. Says the Gemara, that's not possible. Because there's another Pasuk that tells us, on the, on the 12th day, day. What does that mean? Just like a day is straight through. So too, 12 days are straight through. Says the Gemara, the same question. How do you know it's 12 consecutive days? Maybe it just means 12 days that are fit. Maybe only bring sacrifices for the, the, when, the, when the princes brought their sacrifices all in the same, maybe it just means 12 days that are fit, but it doesn't mean consecutive. And you have no proof that Karbonos override Shabbos. Says the Gemara, no. Why do I need two psukim? Why do I need two psukim to tell me that the Nisim all brought their sacrifice? From the fact that there's two psukim, that lets us know that the 12 days were all consecutive, they were all straight, and it went through Shabbos. Okay. Period. Now what we just explained. Let's, let's get outside for a moment. Let's talk. What we just explained is we know that when it comes to the Mishkan, the inauguration of the Mishkan, and Avodah that was done by the princes in the Mishkan, 
the service was done even on Shabbos. It overrides Shabbos. Okay. Therefore, by the building of the Beis HaMikdash, we made a Kabbalah Chomer. And we said, oh, by the Mishkan it overrides Shabbos. How much more so by the, by the Beis HaMikdash, which has everlasting Kedusha. How much more so should that override Yom Kippur? And therefore on Yom Kippur, it was canceled that year. And everybody ate and everybody drank. Okay. Says the Gemara, a question. How do we know that the Taka canceled Yom Kippur by the Beis HaMikdash? If you're going to learn out from which means 40 consecutive days, maybe again, the same question, maybe when, Shlomo, when it says by Shlomo HaMelech that they had 14 days of celebration, maybe it doesn't mean 14 consecutive days. Remember, we had an assumption we said, one second, seven days before Sukkot, Shlomo HaMalach made a Beis HaMikdash party. That seven days before Sukkot includes Yom Kippur. Ask the Gabara now, who says, maybe seven days before Sukkot means they made a party for seven days, but not during Yom Kippur. Maybe it wasn't seven consecutive days. Maybe it started seven days before Sukkot, and it didn't include Yom Kippur. Says the Gabara, no, that's not possible. Because Gamar Yom Yom Ehosam, we learn out Yom Yom, what was their whole source from the Mishkan? And by the Mishkan, we know it was consecutive. So by the Big Dosh, it was consecutive as well. So that includes Yom Kippur. Says the Gemara, Yotza Baskol Vomer Lehem. A Baskol came out and said to the Yidin, Kolchem Mizumanim Lechayoylem Haba. You're all going to Yom Haba. What you did was not incorrect. You did nothing wrong. Says the Gemara, How do we know that there was taka forgiveness? The Tani Tachlifa Tachlifa taught us. On the eighth day, On the eighth day, they were sent away. Yeah? And they gave a bracha to Shlomo HaMelech. They gave a bracha to Shlomo. They went back to their homes. They went back to their tents. Happy and glad, glad with happy hearts. What were they glad about? Al kol on the good, all the goodness. For all the goodness that Hakadosh Baruch Hu did for David and for Klal Yisrael. Lo leyam. What does it mean? They went back to their tents. Shaholchu matzu nasheim betara. They went back. They found all their wives in a state of purity. Smechem joyful shenanem iziv ashchina because they just spent time. It, uh, with the Shechina, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you ever walk away from a Gishmakashir, a good davening, you walk away from connecting, you walk out of the room, Matzah Yom Kippur. You walk, everybody who walks out of Shul, after Yom Kippur, that feeling, you might be hungry, you might be thirsty, but this good feeling of just purity. Ah, just we just spent the last 25 hours just connecting. There's nothing more... There's nothing more gishmak and, and no better feeling than that. They were so happy that they had, they had the merit of being with the Divine Presence. With good, glad, happy hearts. Each one's wife conceived a baby boy. For that evening, for all the good. Because of the heavenly voice that came out and said, All of you are mezuman. You're all fit, don't worry, this was not a sin about Yom Kippur. You're all fit to achieve Aylam Haba. Okay, now the Gemara is going to go on a little bit of a tangent. 
And we're going to get into some fascinating Agadita Gemara's. Get ready for the ride. Here we go. For all that Hashem did for David and for Klai Yisrael, we understand all that Hashem did for Klai Yisrael. We were forgiven for eating and drinking on Yom Kippur. What does it mean for all Hashem did for David HaMelech? Okay, now keep in mind, David HaMelech had passed away. Who built the base HaMikdash? Shlomo HaMelech, his son. So they walk away and they're so happy for all that HaKadosh Baruch who did for David and for Klal Yisrael. Ask the Gemara, David HaMelech, he's in Gan Eden. What is he doing in this world? Says the Gemara, beautiful Lima. Listen to this. I'm Revita Marav. Revita says, in the name of Rav, when Shlami HaMelech wanted to bring the Arain into the Beis HaMikdash, the doors refused to open. Omar Shlami Esra Barinanish, Shlami HaMelech composed 24 songs, and you know what it did? Garnished. It did nothing. It wasn't answered. The doors remained closed. Pasach v'yomar, Shlami HaMelech began saying, He still wasn't answered. Open up your gates. And the gates say, uh-uh, we're not opening. But then Shlomo Melech says, Hashem Elohim al Toshei Pnei Meshichecha, our dear Rabbi Nishlaylam, do not turn away from your anointed one. Zochro lechasti David Avdecha, remember David Amelech, remember my old, remember my old man, remember David Amelech. What happens? Miyad Nene, immediately he was answered. What happened? David HaMelech is no longer in this world, but the doors open in the Shos of David. David HaMelech's haters' faces turned black like the bottom of a pot. And they knew that anything, any Avera that David HaMelech did, which he did, he did some Averas, particularly with Bathsheba, he was forgiven on, which is such a powerful Powerful Gemara. To us, David HaMelech, the composer of Tehillim, is untouchable. Can you imagine? Untouchable. Says the Gemara, in his lifetime, there were people who viewed him like a sinner. He never got them on board. You know when finally, there were members of Klal Yisrael. Doesn't seem like it was a small group. It's not easy being a leader, Right? David HaMelech, the way he got, not the way, yeah, the way David HaMelech got people on board that he was really a tzaddik, is posthumously, after he passes away, his son asks the doors of the Beis HaMikdash to open so the Aaron could go in in his chus. Finally, after he dies, is the first time that there are Yidin who can fargin. They can understand they can finally say, you know what, maybe Davra Melech Taka was a tzaddik. But that's what it took. That's what it took. Sometimes it takes more than a lifetime for people to understand the beauty of others. There's a, there's a quip in the, Hasid, in, the, in the world of Torah. There's a quip and you have to understand, we, we, we'll know this is true once we say it, you have to understand how the partios work. In Sefer Vayikra, right, so the parshios go Vayikra Tzav Shemini Tazria Mitzora. What are the next two parshios? Acharemos and then Kedoshim. 
So the quip is, If you translate it literally, it means, after he dies, he's holy. There are many people, while they're alive in this world, they're not so special. But all of a sudden, they're not here anymore. Psh, what a heilige guy. Ooh, it's amazing. I, when he was here in this world, you didn't even say Shalom Aleichem. Right? You wouldn't even give him a hello. You didn't... Uh, well, once somebody passes away, all of a sudden everybody's talking about the greatness. Only once they're gone, they become holy. It's unfortunate that we don't appreciate them when we have them here with us, you know, in, in this world. But as I, as I, you know, this is how it was with David HaMelech. To a group of people, it was only Acharemais Kedoshim, and it happened through the actions where the gates publicly in front of all the Klai Yisrael open in his house. Let's keep going. Rabbi Yenison Bar Ben Asmoy, Rabbi Yudah Ben Gerim, Tanu Parshas Nedarim, Bey Rav Shimon Bar Yechai, Rabbi Yenison Ben Asmoy, and Rabbi Yehuda learned the halachas of Nedarim, of oaths and vows in the yeshiva of Rav Shimon Ben Yechai. Iftar Minei Beorta. Okay, now that they finished learning the halacha, so one one night they went to say goodbye to their Rosh Hashiva. They learned, in the, they, they learned about Nadara, but now they're ready to leave. The Safra Hador And the next morning, they came back to say goodbye again. Omar Lahu. He says to them, Didn't you say goodbye to me last night? Why are you coming back and saying goodbye again? Omar Lahu. You are Rebbe taught us. If you have a student who leaves from his Rebbe and he ends up in the same city overnight, he doesn't leave. You should go back and say goodbye again. How do you know that? On the eighth day, Shlomelech said goodbye, and they came back and gave a bracha to Shlomelech. And it says, It was on the 23rd day of Tishrei that Shlomelech said goodbye to the people. Okay, so if they already left on the 23rd, uh, if, he's, if they already left the 22nd, why are you saying goodbye on the 23rd? El Khan, rather you, Rebbe, taught us from here. You learn the Talmud Aniftami Rabbi, a student that leaves his Rebbe, Valamba Isair, but he's still around. He stays in the same city overnight. Tzarekli Fatumen Bamakaris, you gotta go say goodbye again. Very interesting. You know, sometimes you go, uh, you go say hello to somebody, you say goodbye. There's some joke about this, right? Uh, the difference in. Uh, a Jew and a Gentile. Maybe this is from Jackie Mason. I don't, uh, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. It says, uh, uh, something to do with like a party. Right? It's a, he says, a Gentile says goodbye and leaves. A Jew says goodbye and you see him like three hours later saying goodbye again. Right? Goodbye and then there's more food. You stay. It's some sort of, he says it better than that. Right? But sometimes you don't know. Do you say goodbye? Then you hung around again. Do you say goodbye again? You know, when do you, when do you say, uh, you, you know, when do you say... If, if you stayed overnight, it's worthwhile to say goodbye to your Rebbe again. Um, okay. So, Amar Lei Lebrei, Rav Shem said to his son, B'nai Adam Alalu Anoshim Salsurahim, these students, takano their beans, they know what they're talking about, they're Chashuva people, Zilga Bayan Dilevarchon, go to them, so they should give you a bracha. Ozalash Kechiru Dekaramu Kroya Dadi, so he went, and he found them, Discussing a contradiction in verses, it says in the it says in the pasuk, "Pales magal raglecha." You should weigh out how your feet work. Magal is like a circle, the cycle of your feet. The cholder achecha and all of your paths yikainu will be established. 
uksiv, and it says, so again, it says your feet should keep moving and your ways should be established. Uksiv, but another Pesach says, Eirechayim, the way to go on the path of life, pen to fales. Um, in case, in case you weigh it. So which seems to, which gives off the connotations that um, a person should, one Pesach seems to imply you should, when you have different mitzvahs, you should think about which one to do first. Figure out which one's more chashuv. The other pasuk seems to imply, fakert, don't think about it. If you got a mitzvah in front of you, grab it. Go do it. Finish. Finito. Says Gemara, like kasha, there's no kasha here. Kamba mitzvah, shavshal, saisa, deyachirim. Once talking about a, 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 a mitzvah that it's possible for other people to do. Um, and therefore we say, if somebody else could do the mitzvah, so then it's up to me to decide which, um, if I have two mitzvahs, which one I should do and which one should I leave for other people. Top of Tesselmet Beis. The other situation is when you have a mitzvah that's not possible to be done by anybody else. That's when we say, if you have a mitzvah, go do it. Don't start making cheshbonas, don't start making calculations. Okay? So you hear, Rosh Hashanah says to his son, go, go get a blessing. And he goes over and he hears them talking about these, the, he hears these two Tamid uh, talking and giving over this very important message in life. Yeah, we, I would say all of us go through this on a daily basis. The, the, you know, our, our decision-making skills, our decision-making abilities, when you have two things to do in front of you, how do you know which one to perform first? The answer is, what needs me? What needs me and what doesn't need me? What could be done, um, what could be done by others? Then they kept talking and they had a, they had a shayla. All right? They had a, a curiosity question. It says, The Torah is more valuable than pearls. Anything you want cannot compare to Torah. Which seems to imply what you want can't compare to Torah. But something that Hashem wants, meaning a mitzvah, can compare to Tyre. Uksiv, and the Pesachal says, V'chol chafatzim, anything you want, la yeshvuba, doesn't compare to Tyre, which, which implies anything, not even me, but anything that Hashem wants. Da'afilu chafzei shemayim la yeshvuba, even a mitzvah that Hashem gave me doesn't compare to the words of Torah. So we have a contradiction. How great is Torah? Is it that when I have a mitzvah that, is it that when I have a, I have a mitzvah it, that's as great as Torah? Or is it that a mitzvah is not as great as learning Torah? If you have a mitzvah in front of you that you must do, nobody else can do it, you get up, you close your book, and you go do the mitzvah. But if you have a mitzvah where somebody else could do it, and you're learning Torah, so keep learning Torah, and let somebody else do it. Now keep in mind, the reason why we learn Torah is not only because Torah itself connects us to the Rabbani Shalom, but because it brings us to Misa. It brings us to action. Okay? So you see from here that if you're sitting and learning and there's no action, so Vos is. What is that? Nothing. Right? What the Bali Musar actually connects very well to this week's Parsha. Parsha's Yisroi. Vayishma Yisroi. Yisroi ears. What does it mean to hear? It means to hear and do something about it. The whole world heard. But Yisroi was the one 
who instead of going to Bilam, like the other kings of the world, Yisrael went to Moshe. He got up and he did something about it. So the Bali Musr teach us, right, that very often you could have somebody who studies something, learns something, and it doesn't go in. They say a story. They say a story where there was, uh, I forget which Godola was, was sitting and learning in a shul. And he was sitting near a young, a young scholar who was learning a Gemara which says that if you have a poor person who comes to you, make sure to not turn him away. And he was repeating this over and over. If you have a poor person come turning away. And he's over and over reviewing this out loud while he's learning. So a schnorrer walks into shul with a hand. He says, he says, no, tzedakah. You give me tzedakah. And the guy says, no, can't you see I'm learning? Can't you see I'm learning? <laughs> can't you see I'm learning? What are you saying? You know what I'm saying, right? The words need to go in, right? The, the Torah is here to bring you to action, right? To, to do something about it. So that's what these Talmudim are learning over here. That, there's Torah, there's mitzvahs, and this is a balance that we, this is, there, there, we have to weigh out at all times. When is it incumbent upon me to close the book and go to the action? Or when is it, when, you know, is it other people can, can take care of that? Amrulei, okay. So, now these Talmudim said to the son of Rashim Bar Yechei, my boy is Why are you here? Amar he said to them, the Amar Abba, my father, Rav Shemarichai, said to me, Zilga, Bayu de come to you to get a blessing. Amar they said, Yehi Ravot, should be the will of Hashem, the Isra, Velaytechsar. Listen to this. It should be Hashem's will. You should plant and not harvest. Ta'ayul, Velaytepuk. You should bring in and don't bring out. Tapuk, you should take out Velayta Ayal and not bring in. Lichrov Beitzchay, your house should be destroyed. Velayshov Oshpizach, and your hotel should be full. Lavlech Pesurtach, your table should have should have uh, agitation. Velay Sechzi Shatachadta, and you should not see a new year. Oh boy, you hit this. See, he's coming to them for a blessing, and they tell him all these things that sound like curses. Ki also the Gabi see, he comes back to his old man. He comes back to Hashem Bar Yechai. Oh, Marlene, he said to his father, let me boil the bruch and listen, let me tell you, my, Tati, my, 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 my dear father, not only am I walking away without a bracha, and I got cursed. They're going to cause me pain. Oh, Marlene, Hashem Bar Yechai says to him, what they say to you? See, he repeated. Oh, Marlene, Hashem Bar Yechai says, let me tell you something. They gave you tremendous blessing and I'll explain to you what they mean. You will plant and you will not harvest. What does that mean? You're going to plant children. They will not be harvested. They will not die. You will merit to have children that do not die in your lifetime. You should take in and not take out. Means they will be zochet to get married. And your daughter-in-laws, um, your sons won't die so that they will not, your daughter-in-laws will not leave. Very often what keeps the children-in-law in the family is the spouse, the, the actual flesh and blood. So what does it mean you'll take in? You'll take in daughter-in-laws. They're not going to leave. Okay? And you'll take in and not take out. You'll take in your, um, uh, you, you'll take in your daughter-in-laws and your, your sons will not die. So your daughter-in-laws will not go away. Okay. You'll bring out and you won't bring in. What does that mean? 
you will have daughters, and they will not be left as young widows so that they'll have to come back to your house. Let your house be destroyed, but you should have a full hotel. What does that mean? Listen closely. This world is a hotel. And the next world is a house. This world is a hotel. When you walk into a hotel, do you expect to be there for the next five years? Do you expect to be there for the next month? No. You take in and appreciate what you can from your new surroundings. That's this world. When we're alive in this world, yes, we could appreciate the beauty, appreciate the world, but live, realize it's temporary. We don't own this place. We're guests. The next world, that's what we own. That's our homes. That's when we begin deciding where the couch goes. Right? This world's a hotel. It's temporary. It says in the Apostle, They bring that in, in their thoughts, their houses forever. Don't read their thoughts. In their graves. What does that mean? He's telling, so Rosh is explaining to his son, he says that um, they, they shouldn't die so that their graves aren't used. Rather, what does it mean? That their hotel should be inhabited, meaning they should live a long life. He's, he's telling you, you and your children should live a long life in the hotel. They should live a long time in this world to be able to produce to be able to, to, to uh, build and develop well in this world. What does it mean that you should have an agitated table with children, with sons and daughters that's, that bicker at your table? Yeah, He says that that's a blessing. Many people would love to have young sons and young daughters sitting there fighting at their tables. And what do, what do they mean when they told you you should not live to see the new year? It means like somos intach, your wife will not die, like tinsav insachrini, and therefore you will not have to, uh, you will not um, marry a new wife. Appreciate what you have. Rishim bar chalafta, iftar minayda rab, Rishim bar chalafta was leaving rab, Amar lay lebrei, he said to his son, Zulagabi lebrei, go to him to get a bracha, Amar lay, Rav Shimon said, Yehei rava, may it be the world, the rabbi nishlam, like tevayesh, like tezvayesh, what a beautiful bracha, may the rabbi nishlam make it, that you will never be embarrassed, and you will never be the cause, of somebody else being embarrassed, also galavua, he came back to his father, Amar lay, my Amar lach, what did he say to you, Amar lay, he said, said to him, he was telling me He was telling me he was telling me uh, plain things over here. Is there nothing special? Omar Lay says, What do you mean? He says, Fakert, Akadish Baruch gives you a bracha, and he's repeating the bracha that Akadish Baruch gave to Klaistral. You'll eat, you'll drink, you'll be satisfied. You're going to praise the Rabbi Shalalam. And I will never be embarrassed. By my people together, you will know that I'm amongst Kal Yisrael, and my people will not be ashamed forever. Yeah, picture a teenager. Picture a teenager over here. All right. When you're a teenager going to a store with your parents, you have to pretend like they're not your parents, right? So you walk to a different aisle, 
And you pretend like you're too cool for everybody else. Right? Eh, I'm not part of that. Those are the weirdos. I'm the cool guy. Right? Uh, yeah. That's how teenagers get very uh, embarrassed. But, but really, what's the, what's the mature way to go about something? If you really think you're so cool, you think you're so great, go with your family and be the cool one. Right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when I see Klal Yisrael, I'm proud to be part of the Mishbacha. I want to be seen as Klal Yisrael, as Yidin. When we see other Yidin, we should be proud that we're all part of the same family. That's the bracha. You will not be embarrassed by others. You should not be the cause of embarrassment to others. That we as a, as a Mishpacha, a family in Klal Yisrael, should be proud to be seen together, to function together, to... To be as a mishpacha together. Period. Two dots. Here we go. Next part of the Gemara. The halachan cholamayid is a woman is allowed to adorn herself, put on makeup, put up her jewelry. The rabbis learnt, and so should we. These are considered tachshitim, dress ups of women. This is talking about like eyeshadow, upai keses, and and doing her hair, braiding her hair. Mavira srakal panel. And to put blush on her face, and some say, shall mata. Okay? It means removing body hair. A story, the Bisud Rav Chista, Mikashta Ba'anfa Kalosa, the wife of Rav Chista, was getting all dressed up on Cholomayr um, in front of her daughter in law, Yosef Rav Huna Barchina, Kameid Rav Chista, Rav Huna Barchina was sitting in front of Rav Chista, Yosef Gamar, and he was sitting there and he said, this is, uh, this is true. By a younger woman, an elderly woman should not uh, be getting so involved in her, you know, in her uh, uh, her makeup and keeping up with the, uh, you know, with body uh, hair removal of the body. So he says, you know, uh, why is your wife uh, getting so, you know, getting so involved in this? He says, he says, by the, by Hashem, meaning I swear to you, even your mother, and your and your baba. Your grandmother, and even a woman who's got one foot in the grave, the other one on a banana peel. Don't start talking to me about women's ages. The Amri Inchi, any woman, any woman, any age, is permitted to do this. The Amri Inchi people say, tavla riato. A sixty-year-old, a six-year-old, they everybody runs to the same thing. A woman is a woman, and a woman has to feel good. A woman has to feel good. She wants to feel physically good. She wants, she wants to feel good in her own skin. And therefore, any woman that's going to help her with her simchas yamtif, to dress herself up, either with makeup, hair removal, whatever it is, is certainly permitted to do so. The kachave, this is the halacha. Period, two dots. Okay, let's keep going. Rebuta and Rebuta says... You're not allowed to put on sid, put on plaster to remove hair. Tani learned that Bryce Rebutim Rebuta says, A woman is not allowed to go through this process of hair removal because during the process itself, it's it's manuval to her. It's, it's not nice looking and it feels bad. agrees though that when it comes to putting on the plaster, the lime, it's a, the, the wax thing like we'll call it nowadays, right? That's allowed to be taken off on Cholomayid. Shatay faltoy b'mayid. That if she puts it on on Cholamayid, because even though it doesn't look good when it's on her, or it's painful when it's on her, it is allowed because 
you know, short-term pain can lead to long-term beauty, and women are willing to do that, and therefore it's permitted on Cholomayit. Says the Gemara, does Rabbi Yehuda agree that something that's painful now, so it's removing the joy of Yom Tif, is still permitted because there's long-term gain? We learned in the Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda says, You're allowed to take payment from a guy around the Yom Tif time. Because it causes distress. Now this is going back, let's just explain this, going back to the beginning of Avaidah Zara. The, the, the mission of Avaidah Zara tells us that for three days before a pagan holiday, it's forbidden to get involved in business because it's going to cause the idol worshiper to thank his God. Now, the mission says, what about if you have an idol worshiper who owes a Jew money, are you allowed to take payment? So Rabbi Yehuda says yes. Because anybody who repays a loan, it's distressful for them. They feel like they're losing money. Amrulo, they said to Rabbi Yehuda, listen, he feels bad at the time that he's got to repay the loan. But once the loan is off his head, he's going to be happy. And therefore, you should not be allowed to take back a payment. So you see, Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that short-term pain is considered pain. And we don't care about down the road that they're going to be glad. So if Rabbi Yehuda holds short-term pain is considered pain, why does Rabbi Yehuda allow the plaster and the lime as a hair removal process on Cholomayit? Bottom line is, it's causing you pain now. Don't connect the laws of Halamayid. There are all situations where there's pain now, but leads to, um, leads to uh, long-time joy. For example, Rashi says, baking, cooking. Are you allowed to bake and cook? Absolutely. But most people, why do you bake and cook? Because you like chocolate chip cookies. So you're baking now. You're going to have to clean the pots. You're going to have to clean the pans. Nobody likes that part of the job. It's distressful. But since in 20 minutes, I'm going to get hot chocolate chip cookies. Ah, beautiful. Right? That's why it's allowed on, on Cholomayit. So says Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak, you see, Hilchus Cholomayit, it's all like that. Short-term pain, long-term gain, is something that's allowed. Ravina Marvina says, Kusi when it comes to a Kusi, a non-Jew, whenever they need to pay back a loan, is always causes them pain. And that's why Rabiud holds it's allowed when it comes to the Yom Taif. When you have a young Jewish girl who's reaching the age of body maturity, they started reaching there, but not completely there. So the poor people, they, the, the way they would keep their, the, the young girls, the way they'd keep their body beautiful is by using plaster, lime, asirais, the wealthier girls, they had some sort of, of um, recipe where they would use silas, they would use fine flour, would use shemen amar, which we're familiar with from the story of Purim, six months by Hegai. Yeah, the, the women waiting for Achashverosh would spend six, uh, six months by Shem and Amar. My Shem and Amar, we had this Gemara 
in Megillah, which we were zeichet to finish a week and a half ago, right? What is Shem and Amar? It says the Gemara here in Maid Katan, Rav Huna Bar Amar. It is Tesachas. It is the Tachas. Rav Yirmi Bar Abba Amar Shem and Zayish Shalehevi Shlish. It comes from olives that have not yet grown a third, and you take oil from that. Either way, it's two different uh, types of recipes that function as hair removal. Tani, we learned to the Bryce Rav Yudah Amar. On Pekinoin Shem and Zayish Shalehevi Shlish. On Pekinoin is oil that comes from olives that have not yet grown a third. Why do they use it? It removes body hair and it causes the skin to glow. It still causes the skin to look beautiful. Okay. Rav Bibi had a daughter. We're still talking about this hair removal uh, and, and the process that they would use. And he put these, uh, this uh, recipe on her, limb by limb, using the plaster, and, um, and it caused the hair removal, and it caused her skin to become beautiful. Shokaba Arba Mea Zuze. And her, when she got older, her, her, her body was so beautiful that all the guys were running after her, they were offering her a large, uh, a large nedunya. Yeah? My Zaidi Isaac, my grandfather, Zechariah Levracha would quip, why is a nedunya called a nadin? Because you're getting nadin. It's all talk. But you walk away with nadin. Now, <laughs> that's what he would say. Okay, you think you're marrying rich? Nadin. <laughs> all right. But these people, they were, they were offering her a large ksuba. There was a kusi in his neighborhood, the Havale Barta, who also had a daughter, Tafla Bechad Zimna. So he put the plaster on her body once, Umasa, and she died. Okay, not only was she, did it not make her more beautiful, but you know, a one time thing is just going to shock the body and cause damage. Omar, he said, Katla Bibi the Barta, Bibi, Rabibi, who did this to his daughter, caused me to kill my own daughter. Because I learned this whole process from him. I'm Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman said, Rav Bibi, the Shosa Shechra, says, let me explain to you, Rav Bibi, they drink a lot of beer in his house. The Ion Bonsei Tifla. And therefore, Tifla worked to, to smear on the plaster, worked to remove her hair. Now, beer is a, was a sign of a lot, like a, a lot of hair, a lot of growth. So when you have a lot of growth, so then you use plaster to remove. But regular people, they don't have a lot of beer that's drunk inside their homes. Our daughters don't need this. In other words, if it's needed, if it's not needed, then one should not, uh, one should not revert to this process. Period. Two dots. We're going to hold it here for today. We will pick up on Matzei Shabbos, 7 p.m. Central Time. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.